0: Hey, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Try TRP. Yeah. Let's make a
1: podcast.
2: <laughs> All right. We'll talk and snack while you roll away. Well, what were mm-hmm. we saying?
1: I was saying your big time. Were we talking those. about Mat-
2: Matterport? I hope not. Oh, wow. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. That was the first thing I was going to bring up. My attorney uh, tells me, no comment. Uh, is Dan doing his hair? What? Hey, uh, uh, Really?
0: <laughs> when did you guys start? You started podcasting before Josh or no? Yeah, 2017. What? After one episode, Josh said, I don't think this is going anywhere.
2: It's one of my better <laughs> calls. Don't quit your day job, basically. <laughs> one, of my, one of my better calls. When, is... when did you start? You did the Pandemic. pandemic. Yeah. I was one of those. So, so, um, I really had nothing to do for long stretches of time, is, is the answer how did fast money go? It was, it was one it. of the best
1: shows we've ever done. <laughs> I didn't.
2: You, <laughs> <laughs>
1: tell
3: that joke to this to this audience before the mic gets on. What? Well, the mic's so, on. The mics are always uh, on. Well, yeah. uh, so Josh, one day, Josh should do. Wait, I the the yeah. can't. They can't hear.
2: You. They can't. Oh, turn it so on. Turn it on. What are I'm we doing? Oh, we're recording. recording. Yeah, whatever. Yeah.
3: Oh, Who's really? It,
0: who who controls that? Turn. Turn the volume of your voice up, guy. Turn, so, it up. So, Turn what up? This
3: must have been <laughs> 2015. Josh was very solidly part of the investment committee. I at, see. In the, the halftime report. Yeah, I see. He was still moonlighting a little bit on Fast Money at 5 o'clock. And he came in one day into the green room, guys getting all dolled up. And... Uh, and he's like, guys, guys, this is probably one of the most important days. Didn't he say that yeah, or something like that? One of the most that?
1: important shows we'll ever do. It, it,
3: it, and so we've never – What was going on that day? Nothing. You was, were there. <laughs> but like, yes. Um, but we we often say that in honor of, of, of Josh. <laughs> you, st- um, you still doing that? Oh, oh, on I say I on the call. So we do a 4.30 call. The show goes live at 5. And we do a 4.30 call with um, our producers. And Guy will be like, wait, Sandy, stop. stopped. This might be. I say this is the most important <laughs> show we'll
1: ever do. Don't don't. I know it's true. TRB lives on.
2: In, I'm in trying period. to think. What year do you think that was? Probably 15. So what would have been the thing that would have made me say that? The the yuan being the, uh, <laughs> peg. It, no, it, 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 it might have been like something.
1: Like, <laughs> I'm sure that's exactly what it was. I'm sure it was something. The really yuan Peg. Brexit. Could have been Brexit. Could have, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Josh Josh would stroll on the green with those. You have the, like, you, he wears those headphones. He yeah, walks I in. Do. I still do. I mean, it's, 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 it's a amazing. fantastic look. This, this I've never seen before. Sun Can glasses. you just, no, this, this Sergio Takini thing. I mean, yeah. that
2: is unbelievable. I'm representing Long Island. Well. Any, any Long Island people here? Let's go. Derek. Let's go. Eric,
0: there we go. All right. Wait, wait, what is, what is this brand? Is this a brand I should know? How old are you? It's a
2: difference. <laughs> oh, who's here from outside of New York State? Anyone? Let me say. All right, from where? Dave, Tell us. What's up, man?
0: Seattle. Seattle.
2: Seattle. Chicago. You're Chicago. Australia. All right. Michigan. Oh yeah. man, that is awesome. Th- well, thank you guys. I'm Israel. From Israel. I'm you. In India. India. Okay. Wow. Well, thank you guys so much for coming. We're gonna have a lot of fun tonight. I promise. Yeah. Have you? Uh, who's been to the Nasdaq? Who's first time at the NASDAQ tonight? Okay. Wow. Very cool. What do you guys think? Awesome. Pretty, awesome. pretty cool, right? Yeah. So uh, the NASDAQ gave us this space for free, um, and the NASDAQ did a lot of work behind the scenes to help us to do the show, put this on tonight. So round of applause uh, for, for the NASDAQ. And how many nights a week are
1: you at the NASDAQ? So this show started in 2000, Fast Money started in 06. Were you always here? In the early days. Yeah, we've been here since day one. We used to do the show downstairs for the first 10 years. We moved up here, whatever it was, six or so years ago. But I was doing the show every night, five days a week for 12, 13 years. Shows changed a little bit since then, but... I'm still on three, four times. You each. are the
2: longest-running cast member of Fast Money in all of CNBC history. You, no, you, but you are, though. Yeah. No, I mean, we when we
1: started, we, they started talking about doing Fast Money in November of 2005. And over the course of four months, the network brought in about 450 people to screen test, interview, talk about a yet-to-be-named show. And I was one of those people, along with a guy named Eric Bowling, who some of you folks might know. Jeff Mackey, who's out of his effing mind, but brilliant, who shout, Josh wrote a shout book Shout out with. to Jeff. Yes. And a guy named Tim Jeff. Strazzini.
2: And Dylan Radigan was our host. And, you know, 16 years later, that's here awesome. we are. Is it true that if Eric Bowling picked a stock on a Tuesday and it went down on Wednesday, he wouldn't come and do the show? <laughs> so,
1: Eric, I love Eric. I mean, Eric's a friend, you know, but like, I will you know, tell that's you. That's you mean, yeah, that's a hard that's a, yes. That's a hard yes. I would
2: say. That's a hard yes. Okay. All right. I get that. Um, and how did you guys hook up with Danny? Like, what's, a, what's the origin story? Danny was you?
1: pitching uh, marijuana stocks on Fast Money one night. And we just sort well, of... He w- gave
3: us his card, and, and his phone number was 1-800-WEED-DELIVER, yeah. which is weird.
1: No, but Danny, we obviously knew who Danny Moses was. I'm sure most of you folks here are aware of who Danny Moses is. And he came on the show, and we, we became fast friends. And when the pandemic hit, Dan had a great idea to start. What do you people call these things? This is a radio show. A Potting, Dan says, which pod, drives me out of my F in mind. But we just started a podcast two
2: years ago, and here we are. Okay. And uh, why did you want to get involved with these two?
4: I mean, you know, just being around them is very exhilarating. <laughs> and I learned, <laughs> I learned so much from them, and it's just, no. I like to, well, I'm not investing in the market. I like to talk about the market. No, no, but you
3: know what? We did, our combination is probably like you guys. I mean, I've actually read your blogs about how you guys met, and it's fascinating, mm-hmm. and you guys. Um, that under kind of funny circumstances became really good friends and then professionally and all this. stuff. So we met Danny and it went the opposite way. I think we were just like bullshitting after the show and we had like musical interests and we went to a concert together. And then we were like, just when you're brainstorming, you want to do stuff professionally and improve. It's not the podcast, right?
1: No. Well, so, nah, nah,
3: nah. um, you know, we just got on. We were like we
1: got to yeah. do this with this yeah. guy, right, guy? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's we needed fun. a
2: buffer in between us. How, a little bit. All right, how many? Uh, how many episodes do you do? What you have multiple podcasts? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what we wanted to do is this.
3: And, and listen, you know, we had been listening to, to Batnick, and and um, I did your podcast, and I think we already started at some point, but in early tw- or 2021, right? We started, and. Um, yeah, you know, we just wanted to do what we do long form. We find sometimes we love what we do on Fast Money, but it's like sound money, right? Like you came on last night and you had like 10 minutes of stuff to say that you had to do in two minutes. Yeah. And, you know, we get so many like there's like connecting with people like you who are trying to figure out the markets. You guys are all professionals. You do other things. And our ability to just kind of, you know, interact with you guys and, and just it's just been fun. So doing it long form is like, I don't know, it's been great for us, hasn't it?
1: I think so. I think people have enjoyed it. I mean, we went over two and a half million downloads. We're not in your
2: territory. We aspire to
1: be we're, the TRB. You'll, you'll get but there. We're getting there. You'll get yeah.
2: there. You'll get there. What do you think? Uh, what do you think is the most misunderstood part of how you make the show, or what goes into
4: the show? Like. Do you, they cut my shit out all right. the time. That's, that's Are, you totally of it? Are you being edited? All of it. I, get, I like to get in the weeds, no pun intended, on things and <laughs> dig through it. And, and Dan calls it wonky and no one will care and no one will understand. But I'm just passionate about trying to help people. Is that not Is accurate? that what you're
2: saying to him? no, 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 no. no, no you say, you after he says we have a lot like, of no stuff to do you guys
3: will go for like two hours on your podcast we like to try to <laughs> right, like
2: know, keep it to minutes. like
3: an hour because we have just well we've we figured out like listen we're going on two years on this thing and we figured out a format just like you and ben have figured out and you don't you don't stray too much from it i'm sure duncan doesn't let you do that um you know we like to have like a great free-flowing conversation and the stuff that's most important to us and then we love to bring on a great guest and we were bringing on a lot of weird guests in the beginning a little bit but we figured it out like we we bring on people that we think our audience is going to like hear us interact with same thing that you do who's the weird guest no we had like we had mom oh you know we had um no, Bill, who's we who's had the ba- 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 bafford on the, the, week bafford, the, cu- the week
4: before the derby that the he cu- won and they got suspended yeah. for his life and we yeah, had donakin
3: sue on who was an amazing guest we were so excited to talk to him but then you look at your data i hate the eagles and- man <laughs> <laughs> but like you know, like we had Tom
4: you, Leon. He's never allowed in the studio, at least when I'm there ever again. But that's a whole other discussion. So why yeah. too bo- too bullish? <laughs> one way Too one way. I like balance. I love Tom Lee. Yeah, Good. is he here? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we, Cut that. We, no, I'm we are no, we, not, not on. I know.
2: We've, when no. we have Tom Leon, it's a hundred thousand views on YouTube easily. Where well, the, the market There's something about his delivery and his information and Santa Claus type stuff. Or? I mean, he's been yeah. bullish since 2010. I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think that there are many people who have managed to last uh, and been that consistently bullish and right. Like it's hard. It's hard. So I, I don't know. Have we started yet? No. No. So
1: in the back of the room, by the way, if you want to see the next star of CNBC, it's Christina Evelis sitting right there. Kay in K. Part. K. Part. Stand up and be acknowledged
2: She's because hot. that's true. She's hiding. <laughs> like, why, did, why did you just do that? <laughs> well, because we're not on yet, and it's true. All right. How we doing? We ready to go? We're ready to go. Yes? Welcome to The Compound and Friends. All opinions expressed by me, Michael Batnick, and our castmates are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Ritholt's Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Clients of Ritholtz Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Today's show is sponsored
0: by Public. Public is an investment platform where you can invest in thousands of stocks, ETFs, and more. One thing we love over here at The Compound is information and data that can lead to more informed investment decisions. And on Public, you get access to a ton of information and advanced features. You can track unique company metrics, read analysis, and opinion from expert analysts. Public has all of that, plus the app and desktop experience are both easy to use and navigate. When you sign up to Public today and transfer an account from another brokerage, you can earn up to $10,000 depending on the transfer amount. You can find the link in the description of this episode to download the app. For more information, go to public.com
2: slash compound. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of two podcasts. Uh, starting here on the right, this is Duncan. This is Michael Batnick. I'm Josh Brown, and we are collectively the Compound and Friends, AKA TCAF. Give us a round of applause. Do your folks.
3: All right. We are on the tape podcast. I'm Dan Nathan. This is Guy Dami. That's Danny Moses. You know, listen, we're really honored to be here. You had a great idea. You guys orchestrated this. Duncan did some great work, Nick, your whole team. And you had a mission to do this. Two missions, actually, is uh, really give back to the people who've made this possible for us. You guys listen to our podcast. The feedback's been amazing. And we couldn't do it without them, right? And then Josh is like, we want to raise a lot of money for No Kid Hungry. Um, And so thank you for including us, Josh.
2: Yeah, and audience, please give yourselves a round of applause because this time of year and in this economy... And with inflation, uh, what it is, nationally, you, you, you're hearing stories about the cupboards being bare at uh, at at kitchens and at pantries, and it's a huge issue. And so you guys just being here and helping us uh, do what we've done means a lot. The money, I know firsthand where the money goes, how it gets used, and it means everything to the people that are looking for that lifeline. So, So again, give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you guys. Thank you. All right. So the idea for the show tonight is that we're just going to go through 2022. We have a collection of some of the biggest events of the year or the things that move markets. And uh, we'll just we'll go through uh, how we reacted to those things in real time, whether or not they still matter uh, months later. And then we'll do some forward-looking stuff and talk about 2023. Which, oh my God, I can't wait for 23. I've, I've, <laughs> I, I'm all set with this shit. I'm ready for. I'm ready for the next thing. Uh, but let's start with January, uh, Michael. The bear market started on day one, basically.
0: It, yeah, the market made a new all-time high. It's January 2nd, I think, and then that was it. That was all she wrote.
2: That was all she wrote. So the S&P 500 ended January 5.8 percent below uh, the high it set on January 3rd. Um, the Dow had fallen 1,206 points to start the year, or three and a quarter percent, and ended four and a half percent below that first day high. The Nasdaq was down nine percent, and uh, immediately, and it ended the month 11.2 percent below the November highs. Who saw it coming here? Well, I mean, David Zepper comes on CNBC for years,
1: and I get upset because he makes it so simple. And when the Fed was easy, the Fed had rates at zero, he would come on and say, look, it's as simple as this. Don't fight the Federal Reserve. And you know what? He was right. The simplicity of it made me nuts. But if that's true, the same should be true when the Fed's taking away liquidity and adding and raising interest rates. So if you're bullish under that environment, you're effectively fighting the Federal Reserve. And we've been saying that, since this time last year, and it's proven to be the case. So the Fed still has to pedal to the metal. So I think, again, if you're bullish in this environment, you're fighting the tape a little bit, Josh.
2: I remember- it, it, it's, it's sick how simple it, it really was. When you look back, that was the first inkling we got in November that the hiking cycle is here, and that was the time but, but it
3: wasn't the first signal
2: okay because like we spent we started our podcast in january
3: 7th of 2021 and danny like he just said the wonk and i'm gonna let you kind of get into it a little bit danny had like a laundry list of things that were just some of the most ludicrous things that he's seen in the markets in his entire career right and we were all focused on okay well the people sale for 69 uh, million dollars um unprofitable spacs. the spac volume in january of 2021 equaled it was greater than that of the prior year and then q1 spac volume was greater than the last 10 years right unprofitable tech companies and the valuation i mean the list went on and on and on and we kind of been harping on those things and the beauty of doing this is we we're time stamped right like like we had it we did it where this was like the core thesis we were equally as frustrated as you guys were that the Nas- or the nasdaq topped out in november of 2021 the s&p step kept on going so danny i mean you, you yeah, were I mean, all over
4: all this fourth quarter 2021 i we were talking about it every week i didn't understand it i mean really felt that we were deep either be flat or potentially down. The Fed was already telling us they were gonna pull liquidity. They were talking about QT. They're gonna start raising rates. They put it out there, but we just kept ignoring it. And there was a lot of liquidity still in the market at the time. And plus the invasion was coming. We saw the Russia stuff start, was already coming on the horizon. So I was shell shocked in Q4. Q1 didn't shock me as much, but I'll tell you one of the things that happened in January, which is ironic because in 2007, I remember when Blackstone went public, it was literally the top yeah. of the market. TPG went public. I think it was January 13th or something like yes. that. I'm like, Right in the time where you would think that, you know, from a private equity perspective, LBOs and things will start to just, start to come down. That was actually, that day may even have been the top. So the signs were everywhere, but it always takes, well, on the short side, you're always gonna be early when you're short, but things are starting to line up. I mean, I'm not gonna fast forward and ruin December of, of this right. year, but you know, fast forward now into where we are, but I was shocked by Q4. If you go back, Josh, and take out just Q4, look at the chart, I think the S&P was, called it 43, 4,400. Yeah. That, 40, that last 400 points didn't make sense to me. So. Uh, I
2: remember Blackstone going public June of t- 2007, and it wasn't long before th- uh, was that the actual the top was. October? I mean, it was within a week. Yeah, it was in. Yeah, it was, it was, it was down, close yeah. enough. Yeah, it was close yeah. enough. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes was found guilty in ja- on uh, January 3rd, also coincided with the top. Not, it wasn't a public stock, but I think it was the end of an era, kind of like an era of belief. Is that, is that a good way? Yeah, to put no it?
4: wake up call that now looks what's happened since a lot more people have been arrested. You know, yes, so. Bill, Bill Wang. So,
3: yeah. um, but, rush, but importantly, oh, reckoning bad. for due diligence. I mean, think of all the people, the sophisticated individuals who joined her board, um, the, the VC firms that gave her boatloads of money without any due diligence. And, and we're seeing that
2: play out right now here. Somebody was saying, uh, I forget who I was talking to. They were saying WeWork should have been the top in 19. Howard. Uh, uh, Linsen was, and he's basically saying, if you didn't have a pandemic, start- in January of 2020, WeWork would have been the top, but then all the stimulus and low rates that's that right. came prolonged the nonsense for another two years. great uh, point. But like, like who would have thought the vision fund from SoftBank at hundred billion dollars to invest in fairy tales would have been the start of things, but that's right. Like that should have been the end, but that actually turned out to be gentlemen, start your engines. It was the worst January for stocks since 2008. And here are some of the NASDAQ losers. Netflix down 28.5 percent, the first month of the year. Amazon down 12 percent. Roku down 30. Uh, Alphabet down only six. Apple down only three. Microsoft down only seven. That masked a lot of the carnage that was already starting because those stocks are so big, and they just they so didn't 40% get hit. Forty percent of the S, They're 40 percent,
4: right? Yeah. Of, the, of the Nasdaq.
2: Who put this in? L.A. Rams come back to beat the San Francisco 49ers <laughs> in the Super <laughs> Bowl. Put- it's not even it true. Well,
4: that was the NFC Championship no, game. I, I don't know what that I, is. I put, I put in what? Who put that in? I oh. didn't. I saw it in there. Did the Sean do
0: that? I don't know. Yeah. And it was against the Bucs. They put the Rams. Right. That was, was in Bucks. February.
4: That wasn't even okay. in January. And it was so February. Wrong right. team, wrong month. I tried to help on the edits as much well, as I could. What,
2: what are yeah. your thoughts from the January experience before we move f- uh, forward? I think January – what I remember
0: about January Cause don't is
2: – Because don't we always go like as January goes, so goes the rest of the year? Isn't that like a stock trader's almanac? Uh, cliche, right? You guys have heard that before. So, had you heated that from what went on in January, actually, you you turned that pretty okay this I'm year. jumping the gun a little
0: bit, but I remember when the growth stocks started to really collapse, it was like I guess early spring, I said Are we gonna look back on this as like an opportunity or a time to get out? And now we have
2: our answer. Yeah, but it was it was it was pretty vicious. It was was not an opportunity. Yeah,
3: but but the thing it's funny you know you you guys probably spent a lot of time talking about it again you know just like you said masking there were five stocks that made up 25 percent of the weight of the S&P 500 they made up nearly 45 percent of the Nasdaq but there were at that point in the Nasdaq there were already dozens of stocks in the Nasdaq 100 that had been cut in half you know what I mean the prior year and so I you know everyone was holding on for dear life and I think guys you make this point all the time it really was about market structure it was about where assets continued to flow because people were still trying to be optimistic because they're looking and they're saying
2: hey listen the and is still intact here yeah they didn't connect they didn't there were a thousand ipos and SPACs in 2021 and by the end of 21 going into 22 most of those were already cut in half well,
0: i think arc was was cut in half at the end of 21.
2: We're gonna do we're gonna, like that. Go into gonna, into We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do arc. Let's not let's <laughs> let, let's not jump ahead. Uh February, Russia invades Ukraine. So this was this is what was going on in, in February. Oil prices surged above 100 dollars per barrel. I thought you I thought you had Vlad Putin behind me. I couldn't I, uh uh Brent crude, the global benchmark, went up eight and a half percent to trade at 105.40 that day. Um that had happened by 530 a.m. And uh Oil above $100 a barrel for the first time since 2014. Um, what else do I? Oh, what, what? So what's behind me? charts but but
3: right. can, can we let's just break in there cuz guy you know we we did a podcast and i think it was the first week of december last week of november in 2021 we had ian bremer of eurasia group on okay he's a, like a
2: very Not well to brag, we had him also
3: okay right, well we had him first and um we had him for longer well uh, okay but he gave us better stuff and so um you know guy you know like you had this amazing exchange with him okay and um you were like, listen, this this Ukraine thing, this is happening. And no one wanted to believe that it was going to happen. You had a pre-invasion or? Pre, I mean, this was this was like, he's like, I, it, listen, we call him Nostradami for a reason here. And then we also, and then you were talking about China and Taiwan. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that because, you know, like, and, and you would been, you know, balls on oil,
1: you know, like, yeah, for well, that reason. Yeah, we do it. Th- and Fast Money in you November, out Melissa asked us, you know, okay. I think that's a financial term. It is? Yeah. <laughs> continue you know what are the what are your concerns of 2022 and i said it's geopolitical and nobody really believed that but it turned out to be the case and russia wasn't amassing a hundred thousand troops on the ukraine border to take f-ing pictures you know i mean yeah. they were clearly there for a reason so you couldn't didn't, you always say
2: the big risk is geopolitics uh, and, uh, then, uh, no, and then and then finally not, it not like
1: it not like it was setting up and i thought china taiwan would happen a lot sooner than it potentially could happen that was the second part of it but it's clear to me that that was a huge potential risk. The fact that now we're sitting here in December and crude oil is lower than when we, before they went in is fascinating, but it's probably we'll save it for this, you know, when we get to December of this year. Josh,
4: think about this. In all of 21, inflation was transitory, right? Transitory, right? So right. towards the end of 21, when the Russian invasion happened and people realized there was immediate impact that exacerbated it, that was the kind of nail in the coffin, so to speak, as far as I thought with the market. Wait, what, what was the
2: nail in the coffin?
4: Oil prices zooming up and all these other things, That's the when, supply chain, yeah, yeah. things that were going to start to kind of abate. They're like, what do you mean the food supply is So what do you mean do you that think, much wheat so comes out of you? So let's
2: run that yeah. back.
4: Absent the Russian invasion
2: of Ukraine, would Powell have looked more prescient and would inflation have been transitory?
4: No. I mean, no, I'm it was already because they against-
2: or, they already were late to raise weights to make a transitory car. Correct. I,
4: I disagree with that.
2: I mean, like I, I think that it, you
3: know we, we've spent so much time in the financial press like you know like talking about the semantics of the word transitory. It's clear when we look back, five years from now, that inflation spike was transitory.
4: But wages are sticky, and that had nothing to do. Are they
3: until we get back to automation? Remember, like, pre-pandemic, we were worried about, like, automation taking all the jobs, the robots, and universal basic income. But I'm saying we're still dealing
4: with rising wage inflation right now. now. Still right now. And that's the last piece of it. No, listen, I think inflation's peaked. We'll get to that later. I I know, but
3: but. we've gone over this, and and you guys probably talk about it, too. I mean, the Fed did something in 2020, um, but they kept on doing it in 2021, and that's the thing that caused this weird spike. We had zero COVID in China. We had disrupted supply chains. We had... Deglobalization factors, and then we had a shooting war in Europe. And so all of those things, you took, you just said it yourself. Like if you're waiting for geopolitical to invest, you, you might be waiting a long time. It just all happened to happen at this, this moment. The and- timing of the
2: invasion could not have been worse for where the Fed was, which was already late. Yeah. And it made everything worse. Um, but I still think we would have had an inflation battle this year because of wages and rents. Because and I of don't $4 think trillion that dollars
3: in stimulus, yeah. though, yeah. to keep our economy afloat, keep households afloat, keep businesses from,
2: you know, credit issues like we had during the financial crisis. I mean, they did their job. Spotify crashed at hard pivot in uh, February from 234 to 150. Um, it was a $46 billion market cap in January. It's about $15 billion today, probably lower. Uh, yeah. Uh, one of the biggest media company crashes of the year. But the specific trigger was they did a $100 million deal to bring Joe Rogan on. Joe Rogan had, shall we say, alternate opinions about vaccines. And uh, the musicians started to boycott the the platform. I don't think that's why Spotify is worth $15 billion today. I think it was coming down anyway. Um, but you guys, are mu- you guys are music guys. Well, what are your thoughts about how that whole thing went down.
1: If you don't follow me on Spotify, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. I have an 845 song playlist. And I just, what do they send you? What do all, they send all you? All stones. What Raps. do they send you at the end of the year? They Led Zeppelin. Oh, Raps. Right. So I'm in the top one half of 1% of all Led Zeppelin
2: listeners in the
1: now, world. Now
4: you know where the stock's gotten killed. Just right saying.
1: So you can play stock
2: market all you want. I'm just saying, follow me on Spotify. Uh Joni Mitchell took her music off Spotify. Did anyone notice?
3: <laughs> well, you know, people notice Neil Young, and, and, Danny, I'll let you jump in here, too. I mean, like, listen, I, I said at the time on one of my podcasts that you, I'm not sure if you said the same thing. I mean, J- Spotify had a Joe Rogan problem because he's the, he was the face of this publicly traded company. Like, Daniel Eck was the CEO, but no one knows him, and no one knows what his messaging is and the direction for the company. So he allowed his entire company's brand to be co-opted by a guy where probably half of their... Their users don't agree with what he's got to say about a lot of things.
2: Right. I guess that's a danger of doing huge deals like that. And then that person becomes, whether you like it or not,
4: the face of of the business. Howard Stern was serious.
2: Uh, Starbucks announced a new price hike after a price hike in October of 21. And uh, Starbucks, believe it or not, is one of the best performing stocks in the S&P this year. They seem to have had no problem putting through price hikes. Hasn't really affected them at all. In fact, sales are going up for the most part. Are you surprised the degree to which most U.S. companies were able to get away with uh, price hikes? I can't think of anyone. Who Chipotle did it. too.
4: Some yeah. have pricing power and Netflix. some don't. Those are the winners. But I'll say this: keep, keep in mind, we were in lockdown basically, right, for end of twenty, a lot of twenty-one, and so the comps start to look very easy in twenty-two versus twenty-one, especially right. so many like Starbucks, where people are actually going back to work and going to get the Starbucks and. That they raised prices and people wanted it, and, and that's fine. But now, going into 23, you're going to face those comps off of 22, 21, and that's another reason I think not to jump ahead. By 23, will be difficult. But listen, you have a good product, you have pricing power, and you can and you, you can pass that on. You're in, you're in good shape. And I think the price of coffee actually hasn't gone up as much as they probably raised their prices. To be honest with you. So. so they'll 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 get that benefit. What what do you think about this
2: idea that prices cost costs will come down? for corporations, but prices won't. And that's what saves earnings in 23, that spread. So everyone, so they all raise prices because they had to, because labor was expensive, because lumber, like anything you want to input, all of those prices ease off, but companies don't then roll back the price increases. And that's <laughs> the thing that saves earnings for the S and P 500
4: in 23, if well, that's possible. If wage growth doesn't keep up, they're going to get hit. I mean, the revenues will drop because they can try to charge more, but be, there's just less wallet from the consumer, I think right now, and there will be in going into 2023. There'll be examples where companies can do that, but I, I don't, I don't think that'll be, you don't that. think it'll be widespread enough. To, not at all. To help. Okay. Um, not in a commoditized business. Maybe if, you know, not in someone that's competing. So. Uh, why don't you take, why don't you take, Mar- why don't you take March?
0: Uh, so March was, what happened in March? We St. got, Patrick's Day. <laughs> we got the biggest inflation jump month over month. It was the first time we hit 1% month over month. Uh, where f- It was the
2: first rate hike. Uh, the Fed raised rates uh, 25 basis points, which, in hindsight, maybe they should have maybe they should have gotten after it uh, so, a little bit faster. This
0: is a good chart. March is when shit really started to blob. We had more 52 week lows in March than we had in 30 years, and I wonder if this is a sort of a data crime in here. If I wonder if this is being measured funny, because how are there more highs, more new lows here than there were in 2000? It's the
2: number of stocks. It's not a percentage. That's how more 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 stocks. Mm, I don't know. All right, nobody look at that. <laughs> but, but, but let's just talk about that rate hike. So, so it was mid
3: March. Um, it was the first rate hike they had done since two thousand and eighteen. It was twenty five basis points, and you put that in some sort of context. They really eased into this thing. All of us can go back and remember, you know, post nine eleven. They were still just, saying transitory in March. N- no, they, they, had, I mean, they, they had. No, I mean, that's why
4: they were raising rates. They basically were kind of, you know. But their they, dot plot, that was the, one of the first dot plots, and they were still low, to Josh. To yeah, your point yeah but so, I mean, they yeah. started,
3: so, but but at, at that point, I mean, Fed Funds was was expected to be above 3%. Right. It was at zero, okay? So um, there was a huge rally in, in the end of March. You remember that in, in, the, in the stock market? And yes. people thought, okay, they finally did it. And, you know, we were kind of saying, you know, the last time when they were raising rates in 2018, what happened, guy?
1: The market went down 19.9% from Halloween of 18 until Christmas Eve. And then then Jerome Powell, who was newly into the job, got scared by current President Trump back then, who browbeat him into submission, and he got scared by the market that went down. So I loved Jerome Powell up until the point that he flinched. And I happen to now like him again until he flinches again. And then you'll hear me
2: talk about him. But that's exactly what happened back in 18. Um, a firm pulled its ABS deal from the market and that looked like it was the beginning of the end for the buy
4: now, pay later, uh, stocks. So you can't reinvent lending. I talk about this on the podcast. There's a group of these buy now, pay later. I called up short now, cover later. And so they, you can't re, so, so, so if you grow your lending book faster than I like bu- uh,
2: buy now, pay never. Yeah, buy now,
4: pay never. Uh, Whatever, they thought they had read it. Max Lefkin, who obviously was at PayPal, who's obviously a smart guy, thought that you could bring tech into lending. We saw how that worked, peer-to-peer lending club years ago. You just can't do that. And what happens is, in order to get, in order, when you originate these loans, you gotta sell them to somebody because these companies are not set up, basically, to keep these loans on their book. Well, once these loans start to deteriorate and underperform, and you have delinquencies and charge-offs, your investor, in, you know, investors in these pools will pay less, and so if your cost originate is X and you can't sell them at a profit, now what do you do? You hold them. So it was when this ABS deal kind of got pulled, it was the first indication that there wasn't enough appetite. Therefore, their platform, right, would kind of come to a standstill. So throw in Upstart, which is not buy now pay later, but it is a quote lending platform. Yeah. When you see, like in, the, in in the financial crisis in 2006, when Wall Street started to pull the credit lines from the large subprime. Companies. What happened was these subprime companies were forced to balance sheet these loans themselves. Well, none of these companies are set up for that. So that's what's happened. These stocks are on their way to zero. I mean, there's, these things are down ninety percent, I think. And so one of them got one yeah. of them got acquired. Uh, Square bought one. Which one did they buy? That was 21, I think, that right? That was 21. After pay, but, the but they one. bought they that before. That's, gonna, that's hurt Square. That's why Square stock is where it is. It's a big problem. It Sorry. was all
3: stock. Yeah. It was a $29 billion all-stock deal. Square was trading at all-time highs. And you know we, we actually were talking about this right after that. Do you remember that Amazon did a deal with a firm? And people were like, well, if there's a frenzy for these assets, why wouldn't Amazon buy it? And I think Danny said something like, why buy the cow when you get you know, the milk? This is, this is like
4: the, one of the big things on Wall Street, like one of, the, one of the tricks that they pull. You have technology analysts covering specialty finance companies, right? You have, they don't, these technology analysts are told by their bankers, you're covering this. Why? Well, we need a 10x multiple revenue on this. Okay. And these analysts don't understand how the financial system works. So, They're focused on like user growth, not credit. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So yeah. that happens a lot. Another that happened to Carvana too.
0: Another thing that happened in March was that's when yields really started to skyrocket. The two-year went from one, three to two, five in like 30 days. Yep. And growth stocks fell apart.
2: Yep. Um, Bed Bath & Beyond surged 70% in March when Ryan Cohen took a stake. And we know how that ended. Yeah. But it was kind of a moment where it was like, oh, Wait, we're, this shit again? oh we're still doing this. Like we're still doing memes. Uh, I, I, I had thought that was dead and buried, but it came back kind of with a vengeance this year uh, with AMC eventually also. Um, do you think we're done now? Am I? Is this? This is you. Anyway, oh, I
4: love. Yeah, no, we're almost there. But I'll say to Ryan Cohen, who had pet food delivery, worked out great, and now everybody thought he was God's gift to the corporate world. Comes into Bed Bath Beyond, takes a stake, says he wants to be on the board, and then sells his entire stake. He's one of the only people to make money this year in the stock. But then on GameStop, I mean, to come in, he owned 12, 13 percent of the company. He buys an additional hundred thousand shares. At $100 a share. So it's now split four for one. So let's call that today's 25, which is now the stock's at 20. It says what? What is it going to? NFTs. He had a partnership with FTX. I mean, think about this for a second. So it kept the stock up. Is that who they partnered yeah, they, with they, FTX to do NFTs? Yes, of course. God, if, if so, I knew well,
2: then what we'll I. Would 7 I billion,
4: now? still a $6 billion company. So are we there? We're in the eighth inning of this crap. But, stocks,
0: three bucks. Which one? B- 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 Better than beyond. No, GameStop,
4: I'm talking about. Okay, oh, so, that yeah. one has $20 more downside. Where is it? 20. Yeah, Bed okay. Bath <laughs> Bed Bath and
2: Beyond did not do an FTX deal, I don't think.
4: No, no. GameStop I was talking about. <laughs> All right, about GameStop. F- All right. Exactly.
2: So. Uh, Elon Musk started to openly criticize Twitter uh, the platform in March, presaging what I think is probably one of the biggest stories that will be when this decade ends. This is going to be like a top 10. All right.
3: Can we throw this back to you? Because one of the things, it's funny, a lot of you guys in this audience right here are listening on the pod. You guys know downtown Josh Brown because he was at downtown Josh Brown on Twitter, um, you know, and he was a force and he was funny. He's witty. And he probably every once in a while had a decent stock pick. Um, but uh, but you left Twitter before it was cool to leave Twitter or or to get Cancelled off of it, you know what I mean. That sort of thing. I mean, like, like, or oh, what's going on now? But talk to us about that. I mean, because a lot of his criticisms you probably
2: had, you left the platform, and um, oh no, I. So I don't think that he and I share the same criticism. He. So this is this is his tweet. Do we have this? We have this. Uh, given that Twitter serves as the de facto public town square, failing to adhere to free spe- speech principles fundamentally undermines democracy. What should be done? I actually don't think that there needs to be a global town square. I don't think it's necessary or healthy for 300 million people to be yelling at each other from all over the globe. I really, I don't, I'm not in the camp that thinks that's a good, fundamentally a useful thing for anyone. I don't really see what it solves. All I can think about is what it causes. So my criticism is, um, it's not a criticism, it, it is what it is, but- I don't think that when you get past a certain number of followers, you can enjoy your experience there. And the other thing, and a lot of people that I admire, I wish they would stop tweeting. I can't believe they still tweet at their follower level because these are two things that maybe their parents didn't teach them. The first is absence makes the heart grow fonder. So if you're in people's f***ing face all day long – They like uh, at a certain point, they're gonna turn, it's just a matter of when. The other thing is, familiarity breeds contempt. I guess that's another way of saying the same thing. So, that's why the Kardashians stopped tweeting. That's what, like, there's there reaches a point where people don't want to hear or see you all day long. You have to know when you've reached that point. I probably it was, I probably left four years later than I should have. Yeah, I call that my home life, (laughs) right. <laughs> so you can re- you can relate. I can relate. You can relate. Where are uh, you coming back? Yeah, exactly. Never. Why? Gosh. Come back now. <laughs> it's on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally it's literally burning to the ground. Uh, do you? Why are you still tweeting? Like, are you tweet? I wouldn't know. Uh, I. You I, don't you don't I f- tweet, tweet do I, you? I tweet our
3: content um, because I, a lot of our audience is there. But I don't interact with people anymore. I stopped doing that a long time ago. Do you look at your
4: men-
2: do you look at your mentions?
4: No. I had a tweet today. It was Elon Musk location. Uh, trading floor <laughs> in Philadelphia, Duke and Duke style. Uh, margin call. That's what I was trying to get. I'm trying to get booted at this point. So.
2: I'm very lucky, though. Yeah. I have Nicole to send tweets for us. So uh, round of applause for
4: Nicole, by the way.
2: <laughs> how, how many people are on Twitter
4: here? I'm just curious. Okay. Let Lost. the record show. No one's left on Twitter. How many on? people
2: are on Mastodon with me? Smaller. <laughs> smaller number. One. Got one. Yo, who is that? I'll follow you back. <laughs> uh, let's let's keep it moving. We're gonna do April. So Elon files a 13G. He buys 73 million shares of Twitter, which is three billion dollars at at the time.
0: This might be the worst purchase of all time.
2: Well, hold on. He actually bought it in January and he, when the he, stock was below
3: 30. He told us about it in April. No, but think about this. So so it's funny. I did. CNBC's fast uh, options action, the day that Twitter went public, for some reason, they went public on the New York Stock Exchange. Sorry, guys. And um, we did the show from down there. Okay. It went public at $27 in November of 2013. And Elon Musk is buying the stock in February of 2022. Yeah. At $27. What a piece of crap. And, and, you know, it's funny. Like, he's running this company into the ground. Um, Jack Dorsey was running this, the company in the ground for years we and
2: have years. This, so, we have this chart of uh, Twitter from the IPO, and it's— and It's a
0: uh, it's horrible chart. Horrible chart.
2: So, so it's basically round trips to the IPO price. And then he bought the stock. When it comes out that he finally filed— First of all, he filed the 13G, which is what you do when you're passively— Acquiring more than 5% of the stock turns out he wasn't very passive. So, but that, that we'll leave that there. Uh, the stock, the stock rallies 30% immediately. So it's- snaps
0: chart or price, whatever market cap is down 90%, like literally nine zero. What is Twitter down? If Elon never gets involved
2: or, or I if it's, it's publicly I it's traded $12.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, Snap has. Why a, would it not be down? Snap either. has a fourteen billion dollar enterprise value. It has a similar revenue base, probably growing faster. They monetize better. I'm um, talking about what you say, Josh. People actually get joy out of Snap. You yeah. know what I mean? And and Twitter is important to people in news, in sports, in politics, and and you know, misery in, 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 and <laughs> misery and misery. Yeah, accusing, the, accusing people of crimes. This stock right now would be trading
2: at all time lows. Basically, absolutely. Yeah. I would say eleven. No I would get my guess would be eleven or twelve. Yeah. Um, guy.
1: No, I mean, a lot of analysts had that said $15 price target. I remember a lot of people putting on it. and you're probably right. That's where it'd be. But the reality is that's what happened. I mean, personally for me, Twitter is my source of news and that's how I get headlines and stuff and it's in
4: in my world when i started this is the new tape effectively for me oh he got caught right he didn't 5420, just like 420 funding security he got forced forced into it accepted his offer on april 25th well he got he got forced into it because the judge they had all this discovery with all his emails and all he didn't want that so he'd rather go spend all that money and now now tesla's down
0: tesla burns 700 billion in market cap or something like that uh
4: Uh, bill Bill
2: wang uh huang from Arkegos is arrested in april
4: um notice I, the only reason that's n- newsworthy is it just kind of came and went because guess why because seven six or seven broker dealers don't want that to they want that to go away think about it, how embarrassing that is for them they all lost well that was a 2021 story no I mean, the, that, arrest, there was the arrest i know but no the, the, way i mean the, oh, the we don't Archegos we don't have to, we don't, have to, we,
2: don't have, we don't have to spend time on it okay. but the story there is he is avoiding filing for uh, as a large holder of these stocks because he's using swaps to get exposure on well, his
4: relationship to arc asset that was the other thing and the, and
2: the swaps are pushing up stocks and he was a, was he a seed investor in arc yep so he was kathy's earliest backer correct and they had some stocks in common yep which probably helped her portfolio as he drove them higher yep. we lot to say is that we let say that S- sure Just okay we, we, i think, <laughs> think <laughs> i think we're saying that Uh, Fidelity announced they were going to allow retirement savers to put Bitcoin in 401k accounts. This is one where they could have like just very quietly said, said, LOL, just kidding. They This month, they actually followed through, and it's open. I opened one. And think about this. I
3: don't have – I was never really big into crypto, but given what's going on with FTX, probably what's going to go on with Binance and what might go down with Coinbase, why would would you ever even consider that? Now, these are not
2: FTIC. Didn't I I say that? Say what? Oh, wait. We might be saying something different. No, you were
3: talking about Bitcoin. No. He's talking about Fidelity. I I opened a Bitcoin crypto – or a Fidelity – uh, crypto account this month. Okay. So they announced it, that they were going to do it. Okay. Yeah, oh,
2: so this is what I'm saying. Shouldn't they have hundred percent market share? Well, they will. I'm mean, Okay. So yes. we're, we agree. Yes. We're in agreement. If you're into crypto and you're a sane person, you will have it on fidelity. Yes. That's what, uh, that would be my guess. Yeah. So maybe it's not as crazy as it seems on the surface. I think it's kind of cool that they're doing this in an 80% drawdown and allowing, like how many times on Wall Street historically have you seen a brokerage firm open up the gates to do something with an asset class that's been more than cut in half? Almost never happens. It's, it's usually the reverse. Yeah, yeah, and they're starting. You can buy ETH, and you can buy
3: Bitcoin. And they're really leading with that. I'm, listen, I'm not shilling for them. I'm a customer, and, and I, I use it. And, and my my if anybody came to me, I used to say five years ago, they'd say, what do you know about Bitcoin? I want to buy some Bitcoin or ETH. I'd say, you know what? Go open up a Coinbase.
2: Talk to, to Beakers.
3: No, what, what I'd say is I'd say, go. Well, first of all, he's been bearish all year long, and he's been on our podcast. This is BK, Brian Kelly, and he's done a great job with it, um, to be very frank. Um, but I'd say go open, go to the App Store, download the Coinbase read some of the stuff, put a little fiat in there, see what the experience is and buy a little and then start looking at it. And that's the only way you're going to get comfortable with it. I would
2: tell no one to do that right now in any of those accounts. I would okay. say if you're really into it though, do it on Fidelity. Yeah, I, I, I think that, uh, God forbid, it goes to 25,000 or something. Um, they're going to look very, they're gonna look very uh, gutsy and right for doing that. Yeah. I can't believe they went through with it. Um, guy, you're a big blockchain guy, I assume?
1: Yeah. I love the blockchain. (laughs) I've been using it since I started at Drexel in 1986. I find it to be, I mean, this shit is so like, I I should have been born in like 1918. Maybe I actually was, I don't realize (laughs) because this world is not for me, but I will say quickly about Bitcoin. My sense it was born out of a concern of central banks run amok. Fiat currencies are just a disaster. And it, if you think about, I don't think it's coincidence, TRB, that Bitcoin topped out in November, effectively, of last year. Oh, definitely not a coincidence. Around the same time the Fed pivoted. So if you think our central bank, our Fed, is going to flinch or blink, to me, that's going to be the next green light for Bitcoin all right, That's what's, just my but view. But what's
3: different this time, and you could have said that in that 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 retail frenzy, the ICO frenzy in 2017 because Bitcoin went from 20,000 to what, 3,000 3, or so at the lows in 2019-20. The difference now is confidence, right? There is very little confidence in the, all these institutional players that supposedly, you know, they'd come on shows and they they look like brilliant people and they're like telling you how the new financial world's going to be Right. And, and they screwed you. You know what I mean? They absolutely every step of the way. And so, I, you know, to me, um, I, I'm not sure it comes back as quickly when the Fed pivots. And
0: they well, start the biggest coming. difference between this crash and all others is there's like normal people involved this time around. Yeah. In all of the other crashes, there was it was only Bitcoin bros. There was no like normal people or normies in there. And, and so everybody and who got com- burned, coming back everybody time. who just got burned for the first time and is down eighty percent is not coming
2: back. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. Do you think uh, Bitcoin and crypto in general attracts scammy people, or does it turn the people who get involved with it scammy because
4: those are, seem to have been the most successful companies so far? Is that a human nature? Like, I think it's a, if you think about crypto kind of as a, now I guess it's an $800 billion industry. It was $3 trillion. I don't and know. Sh- where we and are. shrinking. Yeah. And shrinking. Think of it kind of the dot com. You had real companies that, came to light then you had pets.com and you have all the charlatans that come after to try to take advantage of the of all these investors and so i think that's where we are i'm actually shocked that bitcoin is still where it is that actually probably means it's it's going to stay at this level and maybe potentially move higher in ethereum it was all the other stuff and i'll give i rip on the sec all the time i'll give ginsler credit if he hadn't stopped BlockFi when he did in february which is i don't think we put in Highlights from 2022. But if we had st- if we had not stopped this he lending stopped product. All the lending. The lending product, I give them credit, it would have been this would have been a lot worse. They told I,
2: they told Gemini no lending. Like they they made yeah. it clear to Coinbase, link, yeah.
4: no lend. I have no sympathy for investors that invested in these companies, like you know, the FTX of the world. I have a ton of sympathy for customers who lost their money they thought was safe on deposit in crypto. So you know,
3: here was the thing also, you could talk about what, like what, what the tells of this thing when Jack Dorsey, who is the CEO of two very large publicly traded companies puts his Twitter account. It's just the Bitcoin cash tag in his Twitter bio. The the religious nature of these Bitcoin maximalists is really scary. Think about that in the stock market. Anytime you've seen any behavior like that, you know, it, it just really, so the Bitcoin thing never made it. A whole a whole tw- I was
2: off Twitter for the laser eyes thing, yeah, yeah. which I think was the summer of 21, and I had to ask Batnick. I'm like, what? What is this shit? Like, what?
4: What? Like, what? I mean, Dan, you had an, you, for a day or two. You had a did monkey you? of no, some kind. He had something NFT. What would you have up there for a day? And I gave you. I was there for a day,
3: and I did it as a joke. I, I listen.
2: No, I, no, but, no but, I'm kidding.
4: But here's but, the thing. <laughs> but, but here's oh, the thing. I, was a joke. I, I, no, no, no. Hold, hold, on,
2: hold on a second. How many girls did you get <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
3: that um, day? Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. it's funny. So I'm, I'm curious. I came into the markets in the late nineties. I worked at a hedge fund and we traded stocks all day. And, and the guy who ran it, Steve Cohen. Okay. The owner or your, your Mets, um, you know, they looked around the desk and they looked for guys who like, looked like they just got out of college. And they said, there's this AMZN Y-H-O-O, AOL. We don't know what the hell they do. Figure it out. Cause they're moving around like crazy yeah, they go and up. we, and we want to trade them and, and they were going up. So for me, I'm always curious about these sorts of manias and that sort of thing. So I started doing a little, Crypto. Then I had some games. I don't have to
0: apologize. It's fine. no, yeah, no, we, no, we, but,
3: we all, we all but, did a little crypto. But what crypto. I'm saying, but 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 that I bought some NFTs. You know, yeah. it was like it was like like you're a dick butt guy. Yeah, I was a. I bought a crypto dick butt. Okay, <laughs> when I sold it, I made
0: money on it. Mike right, was an NBA Top Shots guy. Duncan. It's too Michael soon. loves. Oh, you too it. were loved NBA <laughs> Top
2: Shots. Yeah. Too soon. How's that working? Uh really?
0: not great. It's great. All right, let's move on. All
2: right, we're gonna do uh, one ooh, of the biggest theme, one of the biggest themes
0: of the year has been. We didn't talk about this, but this this started really in the beginning of the year and the first. Three, four months of the year, value started to outperform growth bigly. And if value stocks had not held up and performed the way they did, and these are the Dow stocks that nobody, who, who here, show of hands, who trades United Health? Two losers. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, oh, sorry. Even worse. Uh, those stocks have done amazingly well. And had they gone south as well, like what would the market be doing?
2: It's no dick butt, but it's, it's pretty good. UNH, pretty good.
0: So this year, the, this is old, but I think it's probably, it's, well, it's definitely still directionally right. The value has outperformed growth by, I think, 20% or so year to date. Biggest spread since uh, the dot-com bust. Does
1: this have legs? Could this
2: go yeah, on for I, m- I, multiple
1: well, years? It makes sense, though, if you think about it. I mean, Jerome Powell did an interview um, where they asked him about valuations. And I'm paraphrasing, but he said, in a zero interest rate environment, valuations don't matter. And, you know, quite frankly, he was right. So the fact now, again, interest rates started going higher, it made sense that people were fleeing names that made no sense in a higher interest rate environment and finding names that made sense. I will tell you, you know, we can laugh about UNH. It's probably one of the best, company, best run companies in the United States. I think it's the largest component of the Dow, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of market cap and it's a company that you can get your arms around in terms of valuation still. So these companies were left to the side for years yeah. and now people figured out wait a second, there actually is value here. So to your answer your question, yeah, I do think it has legs.
0: United like, Health's up uh, 6% on the year
2: everything else is which this is this like will, that's like being up 50%. <laughs>
4: this will happen. absolutely continue. And value, you know, in the words of Morgan Freeman and Shushing, is just a word. I mean, right. it really these are great companies. I call them GARP. You know, it's value Wait, was why that Morgan that? Freeman voice? What's that? That's I'll pretty do it, good. That's no, pretty do good. That's <laughs> the <a> full. That <laughs> do, do it. I, would say,
2: I would say definitely don't do it. He'll do it at the bar.
4: <laughs> now you have to do I'll it. do it. You anyway, value's <laughs> going to continue. It's just finding bottom up, doing bottom up work, all that is. Multiple revenue. now multiple now multiple. Why?
0: Because inflation and interest rates? No, because
4: these are real, because most of the time these type of companies have real businesses, real assets, real growth. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. I don't know the answer to this, but I, I, I've always been curious,
2: and I don't think anyone definitively could say, is it really value versus growth, or is it energy versus tech? Like, is it an industry question? Like, which industries are in better shape right now and in favor? Underweighted. Which ones are underweighted, to your point? you consider to I'm be saying done? like- If when Cliff va- Asses
0: was here, he'd cut your head off.
2: I know. When value outperforms growth, a lot of times it's because, ju- like, for example, what are value stocks in January of this past year? It's banks who benefit from higher rates. It's energy companies who benefit from-
4: because there's a book value to the financials, there's an asset value to the energy, there is, a, there is actually right. something tangible. Right. These growth companies, and you can have good growth companies, but most of them, what do you value them on? Brand. The multiple revenue games- TAM. Oh, right, exactly, right. that's kind of over. My buddy Eric Ribnerson back there, we traded at Oppenheimer together, watched JDS Uniphase, watched all these companies get created, live through that cycle, and you see what happens. When growth goes, it goes, and that's why there's still so much room to the, to the downside on many names that are out there. I don't look at where companies how much they're down i look at bottom up of what they're actually worth and that's what these stocks do when they trade down like this they make you take a closer look and they can
2: turn into value but a lot of them don't even if you have a a a not so great outlook for 23 people still have to invest somewhere and i could envision value having legs into into next year Mm -hmm. i mean anything can happen but i just it's hard for
4: me to see a shift this pronounced just fizzle out because the Fed pivots. This is a good example. We were on the podcast a couple months ago when Meta, Facebook, whatever it's called, broke, right? And all of a sudden, it kind of found it It moved. It took several years to move from a growth stock to a value stock. And look where that stock trades on a multiple of earnings. Nine. It's not not that expensive. So my point is that it can make the transition. That's a tough burn through the atmosphere moment. But, but, But people won't
3: buy Meta because it's a value stock they'll buy it because they think it can go back to hyper growth i mean that, that so i'm actually so michael you started this this part of the conversation about the outperformance of value of late that's the story of the rally since mid-october right you've seen this rotation look at the s&p can you guys remember the last time the s&p um you know outperformed the nasdaq in 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 a bull run yeah. so yeah. you've seen the move into energy energy stocks have showed really good relative strength despite the fact that crude has round-tripped its entire one-year move, and I think that's become a really crowded trade. The way I like to think about it is this. If that energy is less than 5% of S&P weight. That means that it's been a disproportionate amount of its earnings growth this year. And we're going to have supposedly up, like what, low single digits earnings this year. If it falls off next year and it's likely to do that where the commodity is, especially if we see, you know, maybe like easing geopolitical tensions, then you don't want to be in energy stocks next year because it's really crowded and it's not going to be a place, in my opinion, these guys feel a little differently to make money. And then the question is, what leads us out of this bear market, right? I am of the believe it's not going to be a sham company like Tesla but Apple, Amazon, um you, you know Microsoft you they'll
2: come back Google to- yes they
3: will and, and I think they will be the leaders and people will tell you if you look at history the prior leaders of the prior cycle have never left we've never had companies this dominant like it just you think of the monopolies they have the moats uh the barriers the with, management I was talking
0: with Josh about this Apple Pay went from nothing to it's, it's the annual run rate is estimated to be 4 billion dollars what's going to be in 2 or 3 years 10 15 billion dollars. One of the things that I think is dangerous for investors, and I said earlier, we were talking about last year, uh, earlier this year, like when growth stocks started coming down, Shopify, Spotify is an opportunity. I got my time mixed up. This was 21 we were having this conversation. So I think one of the dangerous things is when people are anchoring to, to the highs, oh my God, this stock is down 80% from the highs. It must be a good buy. The numbers that we're anchoring to were fake numbers. The numbers in 2021 were ludicrous. Stero- steroids. Ludicrous. A steroid era. So to Danny's point about doing bottoms up, you have to think like, what does this company could sustainably earn? Not how much is the uh, stock down? So,
2: so stagflation became uh, the big story of the month. Just to finish out May, we have a chart here. Stagflation expectations. Hit, I think this is a Savita chart from uh, Merrill. Uh, hit the highest level since August of 2008. The question that was asked of global portfolio managers, which of the following do you think best describes the global economy over the next 12 months? Uh, Below-trend growth and above-trend inflation um, seem to have really uh, hit a high level at that point. And so far, that's been the right call,
1: right? What we well, having? I mean, I'll tell you, summer of 21... Danny Moses was one of the few people who are saying we are about to enter a stagflationary environment. I mean, I can say that with 100% certainty, and he's right. And that's one environment that the Fed, with all their tools, has no tools to combat, Josh.
2: I think, though, that that is one environment that really can't last for for long, because it carries within itself the seeds of its own destruction. If you have below-trend growth, at a certain point, demand will fall, which will ease prices, which is how you get out of it. I don't think the Fed has a tool. I think enough time passes, and it, you can't have stagflation for the, for the length of time that you could have, for example, an economic recovery. It's just it's just fundamentally impossible. We're already seeing in the data the consumer is rolling over hard, um,
0: and the longer end of the curve keeps yeah. falling.
2: Yeah. So so we know that that can't persist for much longer. Uh, and I agree. I think we're. In the,
4: I would say we're in the sixth or seventh inning of that, and they just gave you the Fed dot plot. Just told you they lowered GDP raised unemployment and set higher rates that is right. stagflation in the dictionary so but i think they're you know overshooting here for sure uh
2: let's go to june the bear market for the s&p 500 became official uh in june duncan po-
4: post this oh you got it um is there a picture of me running around naked on yes the or, okay.
2: you were celebrating okay. the, no this okay. is where shit got real
0: i think it, it's it's safe
2: to say what uh, was
0: happening in june in the news when the two year was going crazy i don't remember this I'll put up this two-year well, yield chart. Well, I mean,
1: bond volatility, Josh. Right. We, we were talking about bond volatility all through 2021. And, you know, the bullshit line about stable prices. I mean, you think about U.S. Think about government. This should be the most liquid asset in the history of mankind. And they were trading like a $100 million They, were, trading, like, they were
2: They would Right. They were trading like – the two-year was trading like a penny stock. Which is ridiculous if you think about it. Yeah. So forget about
1: the whole stable stocks, price yeah. thing. And we talked and we said it a number <laughs> of times at a certain point Bond volatility would make its way into the equity world. And that's and Michael, that's what happened.
0: So the two year went from 2.8 to 3.3 three in was, two days.
4: Yeah, but that was the no one believed the Fed was going to go 75 bips. That's when they did it, All right. they And, and did you know what happened biggest, in June? This is the biggest uh
2: one day rise since June of 09. Right. And and then and then the market ripped for two months. I
3: mean, like it ripped. It was 18%, the P five hundred, and that you was could
2: the, have made the argument that June was the bottom for stocks in July when when we were going up oh, every day. Something
0: happened over the summer that had never happened before. They were saying there was never been a bear market rally that retraced 50% of the decline and then made new lows. Wait, we had it d- happened. Two we negative points of
4: GDP, right? Yep. And then people like, okay, well, that was the worst. That was going to be it. And I, for one, did not believe the Fed was going to go. Like I had a bet with Dan at the end of the year that I lost a lot of money. Something else happened
1: quickly. (laughs) And we got to go to the next month, I'm sure. But something else happened in June. The VIX went for the first time to about 34 and a half. You hadn't seen that in quite some time. And there were two days in a row where we saw ridiculous interday swings. I mean, market up 600, down 400. And we talked about it. We said, this has the telltale signs of a short term capitulation. That's what happened. By the way, the same thing happened. And I'm jumping now in October. And we'll get to that. Uh, That's the most
0: memorable day of the year for me.
1: That October
0: down thousand and we closed positive day.
2: That yeah, that was what we're gonna get there. Let's do July. So July first, it became official. The first half of 2022 was the worst first half of a year for Treasury bonds since 1788. And Guy will tell you. (laughs) It was a
1: crazy year in 88.
2: <laughs> I mean, really, on the heels of 87? I mean, look, look, look at this shit. Like, this is—I I often tell—we tell clients, like, you are living through history, and every year, things that have never happened before will happen. And this is one of those things, because when you're a financial advisor, a lot of what you're doing is trying to offset stock market volatility with relative stability of, of bonds. It was also the and worst— it was possible to do this The year.
0: worst six-month start to a year for the NASDAQ. Ever. Put this up, like even
2: worse than the dot com. You guys bust? see the red? Can you guys see the red line at the bottom? That is, we just did that. That was that was fun. That that was not a lot of fun. Um, equity allocation levels. This is back to Savita. Uh, shout out to Savita. These are historic lows for global portfolio managers, which is wh- why you get that capitulation. So this is uh, July of twenty two. This is the net percentage of portfolio managers taking higher than normal. Uh, risk levels and it's effectively minus 70 it's the lowest since October 08 and then this is equity allocation versus cash also the lowest so we're we're comping things to the 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 Lehman summer of Mm 08 to to give people some perspective um on how negative sentiment was so in hindsight looking at that the rally in July makes perfect sense absolutely even even if it if it wasn't destined to last, uh, can I just there's yeah, one please. other
3: thing that happened in July and early August, Q2 earnings, which started in earnest, let's say in the this the third week of. July, that. they weren't as bad as people. The stock crashed. Yeah, and this is a really point. I think we're gonna, we're gonna have to spend some time on on S and P earnings expectations and and where they you know finish this year and what they are for next year because. I think it was, there were no big alarm bells going off by some of the major names. And they were kind of, it was, you know, eking out little by little some of the bad news, right? And and so those, those fire trucks are coming for Twitter. Dan, I Q2
0: think. was the quarter where Roku is down 70% going at the earnings and it falls 25%. After, earn- after hours, all the growth stocks did that.
3: Yeah, the growth stocks did, but if you were waiting for some of the mega cap names to confirm what had already gone on in unprofitable growth
2: stocks, you didn't get it in Q2. Or yeah, they were like, they were like yeah. kind of okay. Yeah. Uh, recession became the consensus view in July, and uh, I still think that'll turn out to have been the right call. Wait, show uh, of
0: hands, recession next year?
2: Next, or how about recession now? Now, now next year, now, next year, don't Wait, be shy. Hold on, hold on. No recession next year. Let me see that. Okay. Why? Like- give me like. do give me the one sentence version. Uh, I follow Norman. Uh, what's his name? Mike Norman. Fiscal. Okay. He says no. He says no. Okay. I'm sold.
0: You got something to say? This be in the podcast. Okay. Employment holds up.
2: Employment holds up. Uh
0: well, can we can we get a recession without unemployment going to four or five percent?
2: No. Then what makes it a recession? It's not two quarters of GDP. So can you GDP have growth. can
0: you have negative GDP growth? Can you have negative earnings with employment still
1: holding in there? How? Can it? Don't, we're seeing it. This, I mean, is, it, this but, is but it earnings, now but earnings. I think you're living well. and data, the data hasn't rolled over no, yet. The earnings. You're right. The earnings we're, haven't yet. But that's a matter of time. And and the, other, the I thought for long t- and quickly we'll talk about this, but. The Fed was never going to target the S&P. I think the S&P put is probably 2800 for the Fed. That's when the alarm bells Oof. go off. I thought it was going to be the credit markets, but what they're targeting is unemployment. And they absolutely want unemployment to get to 5%. They're and not
2: close. But and, the mechanism they use well, to get there is the stock market it, and the housing market. It's exactly right. Uh, Citigroup, U.S. Uh, Equity Research put this out. This is the downgrades of stocks. You could see Wall Street reacting in the month of July. Equity analyst upgrades versus downgrades goes sharply negative. We have that up. And so, all right. So Charlie Munger had this great quote in 21. I think it's equally applicable this year, which is, uh, which is if you're not confused, you have no idea what's going on, which is an amazing, right? It's an amazing quote because while I'm showing you these upgrades, downgrades, and the recession becoming the consensus call, also in July, we, re- we just regained every single lost COVID job at the same time. So how do you take these two disparate pieces of information and process them and come up with anything uh, uh, resulting in clarity? I think
0: stimulus is the missing piece of the puzzle. Like why isn't
2: the data turning? And this, is, the- this is the COVID job. Rega- look at this. So this happens as everyone's downgrading uh, the, the environment. It's very tough to understand. And then we so. have retailers coming out
0: and saying that things are dire. The inflation is killing the customers. And then you had other companies like uh, Visa and others saying that. The, what are you talking about? The there was a, there was a component of
4: people spending money on services, right? Not goods. It was a total transition. That was kind of the the after COVID boom of people going out and experiencing people that hadn't traveled in a while. So it's it's been a very confusing time as far as trying to pinpoint. But let me just say, to quickly jump ahead, we're going to have a big recession in 2023. And the reason we have is going to be pretty simple. We're just now getting the impact of all these rate hikes. These rate hikes are just seeping in right now. And, and, they, so li- and they lag the consumer savings rates at an all time low and credits at an all time high in terms of what's been taken out. I just don't see. How so to- Danny, let way. me ask
0: you a question. This may be wishful thinking, but how much of that risk has the market priced in? Probably
4: not, not even close to enough. Not even close. Not even close. I mean, well, in, I mean, in, October, in, in October at
3: the lows, down S and P down twenty five percent. It was pricing in probably like base case a mild recession. You know, you know what I'm saying? Up seventeen and a half percent off those lows. Down sixteen or seventeen percent of the year. It's not.
0: I would have felt better if this year enough. ended down twenty three percent. But if you end down,
2: well, how much time? How many days we got left? Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> August, largest bear market rally of the year. This was another one that was so tough to, to – Oh, this was the chart. Look
0: look
4: at this. You had never had I a rally I went from naked like a month earlier to lying down on the ground, but yeah, that was a good one. This, is,
2: this is a bear market rally for the ages, and people were looking at that, and they were saying 53% off the lows, and you're still saying it's a bear market rally. It was very hard to say yes, but it, that's – It was. That's actually what – Turned out to be. Uh, This is the moment the S&P 500 spent 100 consecutive days below the 200-day moving average, which does not happen very often. Do this second one. Yeah, do this one. Um, So as you can see, that experience of this year, the amount of time below the 200-day is fairly rare. Um, And usually when you get to this level, it gets much worse. Is that
0: the the takeaway from that? Let's keep it moving. Okay. Should we fast forward to this?
2: Uh, We're going to do something on vibe session, but we'll skip that. Pardon me. The vibe (laughs) session—that's our friend Kyla Scanlon published this in the New York Times. The vibe session—not a real recession, but everybody thinks it's a recession, so it's more like a vibe session. I learned. No, no good. The the, the, the gist was she stole that from Milton Friedman.
0: Why why does everyone feel so shitty when the data is like pretty
2: okay? No, I thought it was a good observation. Like the data was still pretty okay. Everyone has their job. Why is the R word in every conversation? I thought that was pretty pretty reasonable. Um, Bed Bath and Beyond up three hundred percent in August, and then Ryan Cohen pulled off the rug pull of a century. Um, wh- how did this go down? I don't remember the details, but this Candy chart. Does. This chart looks like the
4: VIX like explosion. There's a lot of stocks that debt debt was trading at thirty to forty cents, but the equity was still trading at ridiculous values, and that's all that was his inability to refinance. But then he
2: sold. That he
3: sold. No, but he what sold he it did was he, I sold? he created a short squeeze. you remember he bought yep. all of these out of the money calls, way out of the money oh, calls, that's right. and then they kind of right. put put it out there, whether he leaked it or whether it was a filing. But actually, he filed, and then somebody saw it a few days and later. Then Ryder picked it up. But this is the thing, and it, we, we, the fact that you guys are all here, we love it. Don't be a fucking moron in the market. Don't follow these people. I mean, like seriously, like Wait, if except you're for that still buying <laughs> meme stocks.
0: What was that that, that fiscal flows guy? December of twenty
2: twenty two. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, uh, then you deserve yeah, to. You should be neutered. Ryan Ryan Cohen through his RC Ventures filed a Form one forty four just minutes before the close. Right. Of course, telegraphing his intentions to sell nine point four million shares starting on August sixteenth. This is equal to nine point eight percent of Bed Bath & Beyond shares outstanding and is the full amount of stock owned by Mr. Yeah, he, Cohen. He, he
4: rugged them. That was bad.
2: He rugged them yeah.
4: hard. By the way, the next week, we heard the creditors, they couldn't get funding. And there should have been insider trading there. And I'll say that, yeah. loud, but no, no one ever did anything about it. So he's able to keep Rug going.
2: pull is a, twi- is a crypto term, but we've adopted it in the stock market. I think it's here to stay. I kind of like it.
4: I don't like the,
2: ac- the action itself, but- Friday it's night pre- dirties also. Good. It's a pretty great, like, it's a pretty great, evocative term it sounds like for what Danny faces me a rug pull in 23 yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh all right September uh this is when England went berserk so this is Liz Truss the incoming prime minister of Britain she wants to do like a Reaganomics thing she introduces
0: oh, was, ta- was that tax cuts
2: she wanted to do tax cuts into inflation and, and it didn't go kicked, well the, the market the basically BOE, kicked her out BOE of BOE office wasn't happy so she wanted to do this thing with, uh, and the currency and the bond markets kicked her out in uh, Six a month.
4: Weeks. Six weeks.
2: Six weeks. And I think that's the quickest prime ministership in the history of England. And that's including, like, they used to cut people's heads off. <laughs> like, right. that was that was pretty quick. Uh, Neil Kashkari at the Minneapolis Fed signaled that weak stock prices are among the yeah, things... Yeah, he's the an central- asshole. I don't, I didn't... I didn't like this. I want you to go on this. He he said, this was you Neil. Know, I think he fing tweeted this. He said, I was actually happy yeah. to see how Chair Powell's Jackson Hole speech yeah. was received. What it's a, why it's did a he, you why go back you doing and look, this?
1: this is a guy, by the way. I mean, you go back a year or so, no inflation. He he is so <laughs> colossally full of shit. And then he subsequently <laughs> turned. It's amazing. And there's no there are no repercussions for these mostly men, by the way. And the fact that he's still involved in some capacity is a fucking joke. Should the Fed be openly talking about whether or not they like that the stock market went up or down? No, of course not. It shouldn't be in their purview. I know that it is. I mean, the fact—listen, I, I guarantee that they watch
2: clearly, but it shouldn't be. And there shouldn't be even a consideration. Alan Greenspan used to testify before Congress for six hours, and then when he was done, nobody had any idea what he said. And actually, it's an actual quote. Somebody said, you did a good job. Everyone got yeah. what you said. He said, then I, then I made a mistake. Uh, I like, I'm, I'm old school like you on this stuff. I preferred it when they shut up. They did Humphrey Hawkins' testimony twice a year. And they, there be, was a time before us even when you didn't even know if they did a rate hike or not. You've, like you found out later. There was no announce. It wasn't a Super Bowl every month. The fact
1: that, I, I will tell you, you know, as we mentioned, we've been doing this show a long time. You couldn't name one Fed official. Now they parade these, again, mostly men out every frickin' day. You yeah. can rattle off six or seven names. It's a joke. They've become celebrities they shouldn't be. And again, I'll say this here and then I'm not going to talk again. Amongst the many villains of the 21st century, and there are a lot, central bankers are going to be at the top of the
2: list. Brutal. All All true. Right. Right. Do it. So it's you do absolutely applause. true. <laughs> All right. Everybody. All right. Uh, also in September Future Proof uh, who's there anybody go anybody there a couple okay a lot of people went I was there <laughs> Dan and Danny were there guy uh, guy had a uh, a dentist appointment no, we're, we're, when did this happen this Future Proof <laughs> this was September you no go, it was you in go, Sicily go,
1: hey us. if you watch this show what's it called The White Lotus holy shit season two <laughs> is in Sicily I. that's where we stayed that place you stayed the at the fucking f- fantastic the San yeah. Domenico Palace I tell you you should absolutely uh, go. Shout out to uh, you guys at
3: Future Proof. That was a great event. Uh, it was on the beach. Wait, was it Huntington or Newport Huntington. Beach? That Huntington. is. Uh, I'm mean, staying. Uh, in I put this at the wrong That hotel. is Big Boy from outcast performed. Yeah, it was great. It was
2: pretty. Uh,
0: let's, it was pretty let's get sweet. to December. Whoa! I know we have two more months, but people are getting uh, are you guys Thursday. getting bored?
2: Uh, we, we're well, all, here's the
3: deal. Josh we're, is buying drinks afterwards, yeah. so we're rounding.
2: We're, we're rounding the turn. Do you want to? What do you want? Record next? put buying up uh, activity is this is this September October.
0: What do you guys think is going on here in terms of market structure and derivatives and the spike so in? Real uh, quick,
1: so it's a, and I'm, I promise now I really will shut up. No, no, go ahead. When the VIX historically spikes, it's because something unforeseen has come. Like nobody saw something coming. The VIX goes from twenty two to thirty five in a day. Most of what we've seen over the last year, to a certain extent, has been predictable. So I think people have positioned themselves for that. And that's why you see a VIX that's still trading in the low 20s. It does not suggest, by the way, that the market's on, on stable footing whatsoever. I think it just suggests that people are positioning themselves for what we're seeing now, which just is going to slow down the process, in my opinion. So
0: all the big down days were either inflation prints or Fed comments. It wasn't like, holy shit, where'd that come from?
1: Right. Well, think about
2: it. I mean, you had event, event, event risk was- every week when a different economic data point came out it was just constant event but it,
1: risk. but it was you knew risk. it was coming though
2: right you knew that you knew it was, coming, was coming you knew it was going to be bad and then actually it was like you couldn't fade you couldn't fade any of this stuff it, it came, the bad news came true
4: and we got a hit for it can i go back in time one second and then Please. move back forward just real quick i think the boe thing the bank of england was a much bigger deal with trust being forced out and here's why that's a first world Economy, right? You got a first yeah. glimpse of what can happen when you don't have the ability to print money anymore and just chasing. That's what that was. And that is not done. But I'm saying that could happen here. We could see, you know, it's happened in Japan. You've seen it. So the ability of central banks to print our way out of this mess, that to me was the first red flag. I um, have the other that.
2: big thing that happened in September, the US dollar peaked, at least for now. Um, this had been a major negative for stocks all year. And it was up at its peak 19% year to date, which is historically a pretty big rally. Uh, for the dollar. And then we kind of have found out since that it was like, why is the dollar so strong? Why is it so strong? Turned out it was just an interest rate differential because all of the central banks now are raising their rates. They're catching up. And as a result, the dollar is fading and their currencies are rising. There's nothing special about us. We just happened to have started first and gotten more aggressive than anyone else early. So that that mystery has been uh, been solved. Um Let's do October. So, Liz Trust resigns. Uh, I don't care who replaced her. Uh, Chinese stocks bottomed. Put this up. What is this? But not really, though, right? Are they even lower? I'm taking that off. Take it off. Uh, (laughs) The S&P did hit its low for the year, though, in October. And at its lowest point, we were down 25%.
0: So, that was the day we got, I think, 8% inflation print. Yes. (laughs) Dow opened down a thousand, right. rallied hard off the lows, and that, that was the bottom.
1: 13th, 14th, and I think it was that Friday the 14th that uh, Mike Wilson and Morgan Stanley, who's been bearish and correct, went tactically bullish as well yeah. and talked about a potential for a 15% rally, which is effectively exactly what happened over the ensuing two months. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's again. And again, if you go back and look at the VIX, the VIX, those two days, Michael, were trading around 34, and you saw those crazy intraday swings. So I'm not saying
2: anything is predictable, but if you go back and look at it, it actually made a lot of sense. I've been using VIX 20 uh, as like, I don't care what your outlook is, just buy them. And then VIX, uh, excuse me, VIX 30, and VIX 20 is like, why are you so calm? Like, and if you did that this year, it, it worked beautifully. You didn't have to be an expert in anything. Those are just like – that. that's that range that uh, I think you could trade against. So
3: to, to Danny's point about how many days do we have left um, in December before we, we see how this thing shakes Do you think that October low holds? No. Not, I mean, not, it's not going to hold
1: in Q1. I mean, because, again – Guy, looks, what about you? No way? I, I think if you do the math, the, the fair value for the S&P is somewhere around 3200 So I, I do think you see lower first. And I think, by Danny, the way, that's extraordinarily you, you healthy. Danny, we know you
2: low holds – do you no. think? Do you think there'll be some support there the next time we get there, if we get there?
4: I mean, it's going to feel horrendous. It'll feel worse than it did this year. The second when it, time, when it drops, yeah, because you're you're going to go through those lows from two thousand twenty-two. But there'll be there'll be a lot of opportunities, and I'm just you know you got to start dollar cost averaging. You've got to be you have to
2: be liquid now if you want to do something about that yeah. at, when the time comes. What do you think? Do those lows hold? No, nobody wants to go against. Uh, Ha- show of hands to the October 22 lows old in 23 not one hand oh God, Two right. got two hands may I have to change my you, st- you still want to be there okay all right, uh, November, Masayoshi Son, who is my favorite investor of all time from an entertainment standpoint. I don't,
4: right? Nobody Unbelievable. beats Unbelievable, his... best quotes of well, all wait, time. Well, I mean, wait, he,
2: he
3: invested billions of dollars in community-adjusted EBITDA. He loves it. Yeah, I
4: mean, that was- Because he had we, a gut feeling. That like was his, his
2: WeWork thesis. Yeah. Um, dude, this guy, this guy is the maybe the greatest gambler of all time. I love it. He got Alibaba, and that was pretty much- you know, uh, Masayoshi Son steps away from SoftBank. Um, that's November. He'll be back. That son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he can't get. A- okay. Uh, yields peaked. Maybe. Uh, let's throw this up. Here's the one year, ten year, two year, three month. You get the idea. They all started to roll at the same time.
0: Yeah, but look at the one. The t- look at the short. The short part. So we're looking at the one year is purple. The two years blue. So and- inverted and the three-month is green. They're holding high. The only thing falling is the 10-year, and if we had the 20 and 30, it would be the same thing long term rates are falling and short term is not.
3: The, I think the biggest question here is what would be the conditions in which yields started to go up again?
0: I mean, that that's kind of the most
3: important thing. And that brings us back to possibly this stagflationary environment. You know, right now, the 10 years come off 4.3 to 3.5%. Um, and, and again, we've been talking about this, I think it is reflective of future growth, which speaks to the idea of a recession next year. But you know, we, we've been emphatic. Like, they peaked, they peaked for, uh, like, in, in my opinion, because we have a Fed balance sheet that's $8.5 trillion, right? And so they're not going to be able to meaningfully work off too much more. So they can't re- have rates too much higher. And the fact that their balance sheet is so high is a drag on growth. It's like this, like, really bad
2: cycle. Do you like, bond, you like bonds here? Uh, Two-year two Treasury, what is it, Four 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 right four right now? No, four, it's kind four four one, one, It's already pull. It's uh, They're no.
4: telling you the Fed. They're buying
2: up the bonds. Yeah. You, you you let you must like short term bonds here. Then given yeah, your yeah, I own a lot of a lot of buy bonds. them all day, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. But Guy, the, the, but the bond
4: markets, the bond markets, the fixed income uh, people are always smarter than the equity people to begin with. So the bond market is giving you a prelude to what Dan just said. What's going to happen, right? So if the-
2: inflation falls as fast as it it is
4: projected to fall, who the hell knows? Four um, percent is going to look great. Yeah. Like- well, listen, if the Fed, if you really believe they're going to go to five percent two years, so that's you know. They obviously are at the very short end. But they're telling you two years from now, right, What it's going to the Fed will have cut, have to. will already be cutting. So, but the 10-year yield's telling you things are going to drastically slow. And the scary part would be if, like I just mentioned, the BOE, if you had that situation here, right, where all of a sudden 31 trillion in debt matter, but that's a different podcast. But
0: you think the Fed cuts in 23?
4: I do. You would double down, Dan?
0: Shelf do. of hands, does the Fed cut in 23? yeah
4: well oh, i'm feeling good about it the, the, the i'm there too. hold on think, everyone has recession gonna, hold on everyone has no recession and in, in here and s&p making new lows but you don't have the fed cutting rates in 23 that doesn't i think they'll have that no doesn't work i think they'll have no choice yeah i do too uh what do you think's to trigger five percent unemployment uh, four, four and a half I man i just think inflation is going to slow dramatically in in 2023
2: uh the dow vert minus the nasdaq 100
4: we
0: basically did this. It's just it's value versus growth. But the, the we had a month. What month was this? Was this November? The Dow
4: had the best month relative to the
0: Nasdaq
4: going back to. Where's the United Healthcare guy in here? That was why. It's Yeah, because because the cause of United Healthcare.
2: Uh, e- e- Elon Musk. Uh, we don't need to do this again. Ignites the Twitter shit show. We're gonna we're gonna skip that. But that's like. Currently,
3: happening. can we do one thing just to spice this up because you guys want to have some fun? Get Danny uh going on Tesla and, and Elon. Here's the thing we we we've, we basically talked about Elon Musk every week. We need
2: room for uh Sam Bankman Free though, so okay,
3: just really quick, but like, tell the audience, Danny, why you think Elon is important from a, from a, a behavioral finance standpoint? Like if we're trying to figure out how this whole cycle ends, right? Like, like meaning, you know, this bubble, we've seen lots of asset bubbles and they're all coming undone. Why is this one really important?
4: Well, because it, to me, if you guys heard me talk about it, it's kind of everything I think that's been wrong about this cycle, right? Um, disregard for the laws and the rules, both it's both in, in the, securities business and also in the product business. That's one. Following this, quote, genius, right, who who just puts on a, you know, really a show, and he's a great showman. I mean, Ringling Brothers, you know, he, he's really tremendous, and, but people just blindly following him around, and, you know, again, I, I, I'm not going to say that there's accounting irregularities necessarily, whatever it might be, but he's gotten away with a lot. I mean, there's three DOJ investigations. We know that. There's NHTSA investigation. There's the FTC. Show me a company that is still trading like this when it's still happening. So, Again, people are going to own this thing. They're going to follow follow inde- this guy. The
2: index now owns it.
4: Yeah. Well, look, look at the so largest holders of retirement
2: America. Well, you, know is I, wait, Tesla you know where? Every cl- time. You know where
3: it closed today? So one hundred and fifty dollars. And on November sixteenth, twenty twenty. So oh, like two years ago. Okay, two years. It closed. It was trading at one forty. And the S and P five hundred. It was added to that. Its stock doubled in a month and a half. And it went from 140 bad. to 280. So it's round trip the entire thing and I just think psychologically that's important also. Well,
4: put it put this in perspective. It's split 5 for 1 and 3 for 1. So that's 15 for 1. We all agree on that? Yeah. So news.
2: wait, is that how that works? Well,
4: so it Carry so the two. funding secured was 420, right? Okay. That was yes. 2018. Yes. 420 equals today is we'd be $28 on apples to apples Holy basis. Holy
2: shit. It's up yeah. that much from yeah. 420? It's
4: above 2000 on a split adjusted basis. So when you again to Batnick's point it went, before, up
2: eight, not, it went up 800% in 2021. That hurt. That's how that happened. It yeah. was up 10x. Yeah, it's
4: been crazy. So my, my point is that people think it's a buy because it's down a lot. Look at this thing. He's, he's sold more stock in the last 13 months than Tesla's ever made. He sold $40 billion worth of stock, right? I mean, it's, it's really, when people look back on this guy, Wrong. SBF should hope this comes soon so they can take the mess off him because it's going to be a spectacular you, story. You,
2: you think this can only go in one direction? at this point, like, like it's got, it's gone past the point of no return.
4: I, I kind of, am I, listen, I, that way. you know, whatever the trigger ended up being, because it was Twitter and people started to realize the kind of person that he is, the way he treats his employees. He didn't build the culture at Twitter. He built the culture at SpaceX, he built the culture at Tesla, even though he didn't start Tesla. That's a whole other story. You're seeing firsthand how he operates. So all those things that you've read about that you want to ignore, willfully ignore, all the racial discrimination suits, the sexual discrimination suits. I mean, kids from how many, I mean, you know, having having children with employees. I mean, all these things he's gotten away with, Mr. ESG. And guess what? He was leaning on the Democrats when he was getting, you got me going, Dan. He was leaning on the Democrats when he got all the subsidies. If he didn't have the subsidies, he wouldn't have made money. So again, he all this stuff, Solar City. Do all, hey, all you city guys is, think on, the government it.
3: wants to give contracts to a guy who owns one of the largest social platforms in the world and pushes QAnon theories on his thing? I mean, th- think about that. No, let me so just say, say this. Is, I want really, to the, yeah. I keep this, but
4: I want to keep this a business. So let's be clear. I believe there is more than a one percent possibility that Tesla buys Twitter. Danny, you're crazy. I've been saying I've been saying that for and a year. And why would he I'm do with it? with you. And he's, here's why he's going to do it because that's margin- how they Solar City. That's exactly right, downtown. That's exactly right. That's so one, it hasn't happened and yet. By the way, the Solar City. Just so we're clear, Cuomo gave I a contract in, in upstate New York, seven hundred fifty million dollars, eight hundred million dollars to hire all those people. Shut that thing down and went away. I mean, I just don't get how this guy continues to get away. I think he's, you know, can he sell
2: Tesla? Is the board? The board will let him sell Tesla on Twitter? The, a the joke. board? The oh, board's The board? His brother. <laughs> Practice? the board? Um, anyway, sorry. <laughs> All right. Move but on. the, the sorry. business... Dan, the you got bi- me. I'm sweating. The business... <laughs> but they're still selling millions of cars, which is... So, That's the other thing. I'm the not, competition I'm not coming. Te- I'm not... I've never been. I've never been in Tesla. I missed the whole run-up. I'm not, like, uh, defending it, but... Nobody that was bearish on Tesla five years ago ever thought they would be able to produce cars at the rate they if are. If he had just kept, that was one of the biggest bear cases. Right?
4: Model S. If he had just, let's say he was the Ferrari of electric vehicles, that's all he wanted to do. And if he had done that, granted, wouldn't, got, wouldn't have wouldn't gotten over a trillion dollars. I could see this thing being okay, but he can't help himself. So. Okay. He's but, owned by the Chinese at this point. I mean, look at all the money that he has is in China. Wait, you're saying free speech guy is owned by the Chinese? Yeah. yeah.
3: So that's the biggest. That that's the dumbest thing. about By the way, it all we ever. want
2: to thank our sponsor for this evening, uh, <laughs> Tesla <laughs>
3: Motors.
1: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so. I'll be off Twitter in the People's of Republic of just, China. But this, but this
3: is I'll just this is my last point here. So he's done this because he literally tweeted this. He loves humanity and he believes something that Josh doesn't believe that the world deserves a, a digital town square and he believes in free speech. Although that he's just how many battens. How many journalists has he just on, cut off? Because- so, so my, my so here's my last point on this is that China is so important from uh, production, from demand, and from rare earth materials and the cheap like, labor and cheap labor for his future growth. And yet he he so he just cozies up to the the Communist Party there, but yet he believes in free speech. Everywhere else, and it doesn't make any sense because all of our digital companies or social have no access to that market over there, right? So this is the thing that I think kind of comes unwound in the next year or so, and I just don't think that you know the whole thing started. This whole, thing started, makes no this whole
2: thing started with a tweet like, "What if I buy Twitter?" and someone was like, "I dare you to do it." Like, <laughs> it, it, like yeah. that's really and what 50, happened. And fifty four twenty. All right, right we're gonna whatever. skip ahead to the last thing we're gonna do tonight. Um, sadly, we will not have the time to discuss the midterm elections, but who cares? Uh, December 12th, police arrest Bankman Freed in the Bahamas with the U.S. expected to file for his extradition. Uh, I am told, thank- thankfully, vegan meals are being delivered to the Bahamian prison, which is great. Uh, U.S. authorities declined to comment. Blah, blah, blah. All right, so the charges are uh, wire fraud, securities fraud, conspiracy of those two things, money laundering. It's a very long list of charges. It's civil, it's criminal. And uh, it has, uh, I think, become arguably this will be one of the biggest stories Call of, me the, crazy, of the decade. I think he's telling the truth. Also. Who, Sam? He just he has kind eyes, is what I've always somebody, said. Somebody,
3: somebody just won Twitter. This was like a few weeks ago, and said, you know, how can you trust an obese vegan? Like that. That was that was,
2: and I, I was like. You know, uh, I call them Fat Fred Savage and and these guys got mad at me. What's wrong with that? Uh, Is it like, this is as big as Madoff. There's a million creditors in this case. There are more victims of this than Madoff by far. The dollar amount is roughly equivalent. We think it's like 50 billion they were gambling uh, or that might be missing. Um, Friend of ours referred to him as a financial terrorist. He blew himself up and anyone in proximity... Anyone that's ever taken a lunch with him, or taken an investment from him, or had a meeting on record with him, or put money on any of his platform—like everyone's f-ed. professional athlete—it's like, it's, it's really—it looks like terrorism, like almost you know. worst
3: take ever. Bill Ackman, a uh, Pershing Square, came on Twitter to defend him. You saw that, right? Over the last yeah, that few was, weeks, that was I mean, I just made. I, I, it's like how is he still having? Did
2: investors? he delete that tweet? Yeah. It's gone. Good, good call. Well,
0: no. O'Leary doubled down. He said, "You know what? I, me too."
2: What'd you think? Did you guys watch uh, O'Leary on uh, squawk this morning? Horrible! It's embarrassing. That was crazy. No that was comment. crazy though. Yeah, it's just- uh, well, I, what a- do you look like? You want to say something? Nah.
3: I just want to say what well, there's. There's one really. There's one really interesting aspect of what's going on here. So it wasn't just all these fancy individuals and organizations, whether they be VCs or strategic investors, who did no due diligence on this guy, but it was also the people that were willing to take his money too, right? And so I think what you're talking about with this guy, Mr. Wonderful from, um, you know, uh, reality show, yeah, Shark Tank. You know, he. He took $15 million to use his social presence and his media presence and his TV celebrity to push this thing and push the guy. If you go back and you look at a lot of those interviews, he's literally talking about this genius. And so it's not just the people who invested, like shame on them for doing no
2: diligence. It's the people that were using their supposed celebrity or their influence, and they took the money just to be a shill for the if you're, guy. If you're Tom Brady, your agent probably brings you 1,000 things a year, and you say no to like 990 of them, and you do 10... And this was just, like, one of the ten that got through. And, like, what do you want? Tom Brady to do a forensic audit of this guy's books? The guy didn't even keep books. So it's like, I feel a little bit bad for, like, who else? Steph Curry, uh, Shaq. Like, what do you want? I, I don't... He I, didn't I, do it. Wait, wait, guy. Right.
3: Uh, you, guy thank, been thank God you're here. You've, you've helped me. I don't know anything that but I'm I, saying. I don't, so. I don't feel bad for
2: those guys. I'm just guys. putting people in this shit. John Larry, McEnroe,
3: maybe? The, Larry did. Yeah. <laughs> those guys, they, they make so much money. And you just said, like, 2% of the endorsement stuff gets through that's not Nike or this and that or whatever. What, Hold what are on.
2: Doing? Do you doing? Th- all the people yelling at Kevin O'Leary... By the way, we're not friends. All the people yelling at Kevin O'Leary, though, like, if FTX was like, we'll give you $15 million to, like, hang out with Sam in the Bahamas twice a year, like, a lot of people would have taken the money. Yes or no? Now,
3: you know what? We have a company together, okay? And when we're going to do a deal with somebody, I'm, I'm not lying to you. We do a background check on them.
2: Okay, do because a background he, check on him. He'll probably pass. No no one did any due diligence on the what, guy. What do you, think is, in his, what are you think is in his background? He, what, didn't he go to Stanford? Dude, might Listen, well, you talk uh, to MIT, people who work at Jane sort of Street.
3: You know how this business is. Oh, that guy sucks. He never made any money. People oh, so you, talk like that. just talk to people.
2: Yeah.
3: Like talk to people.
4: In, in in and like Jane Street. He was one, a high frequency trader. He was a quant trader at Jane right. Street. So he was a genius for picking people off for, you know. All right. So.
0: We've been going for 90 minutes. Let's There's end a with a let's end with a cheery slide. So this is <sighs> from Bespoke. We've had sixteen. Down one percent days this year. That is the most. What's in- the cheery part of this? There's no cheery part. The cheery part is uh, you just no, ru- no, you no, there's just there's, rugged us. There's no. I just rugged you. Uh, so uh, most people in the <laughs> you audience, just the shit out of us, and right? on the stage think that 2023 is more more of the same.
4: Yeah. What about? Do you have down two percent days? Sure, it looks okay. the same. Okay, it's the same it's, thing. E- yeah. it's equally hey, notable. It's, be rough. it's always Is quicker right? than you think. It's <laughs> gonna go quicker than you think. So.
2: Hey guys, we want to do a couple of quick thank yous. Number one, um, my staff and and the staff of On the Tape Pod uh, doing a lot of stuff in the background. They're not talking into microphones. They're not on camera. Um, but Nicole, John. Duncan, give you guys a shout out. Yeah, thanks to Jacob and Steven and Amanda was definitely involved in this. And we we also want to thank... um, Oh, sorry. Our research assistant could not be here. Uh, Sean, he's somewhere out in the mountains in America, but has done a lot of work on the charts in the doc for tonight.
3: Yeah, no, it was great. And and so thank you guys. And also, Josh, thank you for bringing the idea of No Kid Hungry, you know, on behalf of ours. We have a lot of great sponsors, and we would not be able to do what we do. I, I guess we'd turn on mics and squawk about the markets. But, you know, CME Group, iConnections, FactSet, SoFi. NASDAQ. Uh, yeah, no, well, Isabella, well, thank Those are sponsors in particular. We're going to give $10,000 um, by Risk Reversal Media to No Kid Hungry on their behalf. So thank you guys. Like, we appreciate And we appreciate all the money that you guys gave.
2: Yeah, guys, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to our shows. Uh, We would have nothing to do and no one to talk to if it weren't for uh, all of you. So we appreciate it so much. And here's to maybe not a great year in the markets next year, but another great year for financial content. We will be with you. I promise every week. You guys will be with us. We'll be with you. Give yourselves a round of applause. Thank you. we will be adjourning to the perfect height to uh, around the corner, uh